everybody, and welcome to the Eclectic Eagle. That's a terrible accent. I don't know what accent it is. It's not an accent. It's just a voice that I made up right now. Okay. It's like French, but bad. Anyway, what are we talking about today? Cartoons. Cartoons. Specifically your childhood cartoons, I think. Yeah, some of what more close to my childhood cartoons um, to like teenager ish. Um, not necessarily all of the like Golden Year Cartoon Network ones because I don't think Foster's counts into that one. I think it started in, but kept going past that. So, but yeah, we're gonna be talking about cartoons. And what's the first one today? I don't know. What was the first one you wanted to talk about? I wanted to talk about um, the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy for the first one. And I didn't remember much about the show, but I was like, yeah, I mean, it might be fun to talk about. We didn't talk about it on our last cartoons episode. So. Well, you and your sister used to watch it and I'd sit down and watch it with you. Is what, but uh, I remember it, the original, the Grim and Evil. Mm-hmm. Before it became the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Yeah. I remember that better. Um, but I just, I love the idea of Mandy. She's she's kind of cool. But I'm really Billy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you... Chaos, chaos demon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I ended up relating most to Grimm in rewatching a few episodes um, out of any of the characters. I mean, Mandy is the best character, hands down. But Billy, Billy, I couldn't find myself relating to him at all. I mean, like in the first episode, I think he there's like this being like one of those shows that adults can also watch and enjoy. Like he either I think it was Grimm. Who's like, so what do your parents usually do? And something. And then Billy, like, offhandedly says, well, usually they get up and get going or something like that. But uh, unless dad and mom have, like, special alone time, the equivalent of that. Definitely not that line specifically. But, like, I was like, oh, okay. So we're just going straight into that. This is first episode territory. <laughs> just, just straight into the sex jokes. Well, first one. I, actually, if you've ever had conversations with children... That is something they would actually say. In fact, I've heard a couple of kids say stuff like that. Like when you ask them specific, they're just going to be flat out honest. So that actually, even though Billy's like uber stupid, like beyond, like it's truly scary. um, It's more like that's actually what kids are sort of like mostly. So... I actually find it ref- Billy and how he acts kind of refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Don't Mandy's, get me wrong, I love it. Mandy's scary. I mean, if you think about it, if you met a kid like that, murder child. Honestly, yeah, you would be terrified. Yeah. But but it's funny in a cartoon sense. I um, think I but think- hands down, but I have to say, hands down, my favorite character was kind of Jeff. Jeff. Mm-hmm. Who's Jeff again? 
Uh, he's a spider that adopts Billy as his dad. <laughs> I don't remember this. I did not get that far. <laughs> I don't know where it came in, but he was like, like there were like five clips of Jeff. And in and, and every one, he was like, okay, dad, thanks, dad. Okay. Oh, dad, I just gave, I just laid him. Um, 3,000 eggs or 10,000 eggs and you know I need you to take care of them because I'm you know not going to be with you too much longer (laughs) Billy's terrified of spiders (laughs) so all he does is scream and run away all the time he's like oh dad you're so funny (laughs) oh no I just he was in several different episodes Jeff was yeah so he actually that particular character as ridiculous as it was a giant talking spider it was funny um i think my favorite episode or the two favorite episodes that i watched or the parts of the episodes was the bully episode and the um one where they literally run into the chaos witch lady and she's like, I'm going to use Billy because he's too dumb and I can get him to use the chaos powers that I am banned from using. Yeah. And the bully one was it actually hit way too close to like what it was really real. Um, I remember that episode being really funny. I watched that and I was like really sad um, <laughs> like this time around because um, there's this bully and he's messing with Billy all the time and Grim gives him like a couple of pointers on how to avoid bullies like sticks and stones can make break my bones but words will never hurt me that 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 line that totally yeah. doesn't work um because the bully hey, just beat it worked him up for me well no it it worked for me in the fact that they could say whatever they want and I wouldn't let it get to me yeah, well, in this case, the bully was physical and was, like, beating him up, so it didn't kick matter. Um, yeah. And after that, um, Mandy's like, okay, I'm going to step in because Grimm is now, like, you know, experiencing the bullying as well, so they're both just messes. Um, so Mandy steps in and bullies him back, I think, and, like, just basically tells him off, and then he, like, runs away, and then... Billy was like, hey, you didn't have to be so mean to him, Mandy. (laughs) And then Billy goes and finds him. And then the bully just like exposes his whole life story to Billy. Just being like, I do this because, you know, I feel like I need to hurt people in order to feel better thing. And I was like, wow. That's real. Um, But the chaos demon or the chaos lady um she she takes billy and she brings and billy's like um i i can help you and i can do what you want but i need to change because i'm in a fisherman's outfit and um she she's like okay and then billy has like a whole routine that takes hours and because his routine took so long and one of like one of the things in his routine was legitimately watching paint dry <laughs> Sounds like Billy. Yeah. um, She loses it. She literally loses her mind and is unable to function anymore because of just all of the things he does. Because by the time he's like, okay, I'm ready. I can do the thing now. She's just like, 
mumbling to herself in like a corner and like her hair's all messed up it was it was a good episode so yeah those are the two that stuck with me this time around watching uh the bully one i actually remembered though uh the the chaos which what happens to her reminds me of what um what you guys would get like when you were hanging when you were wanting me to do something that i didn't want to do how I could put you off like infinitely by coming up with other stuff yeah. really used to irritate you guys. So yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a good play. <laughs> yeah. Even though Billy doesn't necessarily do it consciously, it's still a good play. But yeah, I mean, is there any like generic things that you wanted to say about the show in general? Um, generically speaking, I like the fact that this, deals with um but not in a serious way it deals with death like it's kind of in the periphery obviously i mean even though it's grim is death but um exposing children in any way i think uh to the fact that they're mortals is actually a good thing even if it's in a nonchalant silly uh, kind of TV show like this. I I think it's important because it, it makes them ask questions. You know, oh, am I going to die one day? And parents should be answering those questions. I would like to think they do. So um, that's one of the things I originally liked about it, which is probably why I let you watch it. The other reason I let you watch it, it was pretty smart humor and it's funny. I mean, it isn't, you know, I'm going to remember this for time and all eternity, buddy, but I thought it was a pretty good show for the time. Yeah. I mean, I laughed at a lot of things that was being done. And I mean, anything that really made me uncomfortable was stuff that like either... I'm still trying. It's not that I thought it was uncomfortable for children because, you know, they're never going to understand the true gravitas of like half of the stuff that's happening in TV. But like half of the stuff that made me uncomfortable was like either things that like an episode that made me uncomfortable as a kid that like gave me like horror flashbacks or um, or just like things that, you know, make me think as a person make me think more as a person like what are they trying to say is it any deeper than that i mean i don't think billy and mandy is that deep quote unquote but it was it was interesting to watch and like experience again from not remembering much except for like tidbits here and there and the episode that made me really upset as a child (laughs) but yeah, and I mean, as long as, like, the humor's decent, there's nothing wrong with, like, talking about anything that's more difficult or putting light on any of those subjects that I saw in the series because I didn't see anything that was, like, gro- like just inherently disgusting or so uncomfortable that I was like, I can't, I can't see this being in a TV show. I mean, there are things like in Ren and Stimpy and like those classic cartoons. I'm like, nobody should have to see this. <laughs> like a lot of stuff in Ren and Stimpy. I'm like, nobody, nobody should be forced to watch this. But, you know, uh, I still the, watch it. 
the point of that is is that you choose to watch it and then you sit there and cringe for at least 15 minutes out of the half hour show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It was I thought it was interesting and I thought it was fun. So Okay. What did we watch next? Um why don't we talk in more detail about Samurai Jack? You have to sing the song. Ah, uh, I forgot <laughs> the song. I haven't. I've been watching other. I've been watching other stuff and not because I I watched like a season and a half of Samurai Jack, but I forgot it. Yeah, I forgot the song off the top of my head. Fine, whatever. What was first impressions for you coming back to Samurai Jack? How much I just love Jack. Like, there are other characters that are totally worth watching, but honestly, Jack's character is just so funny. He's, like, so deadpan that it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, uh, and, like, I actually sat and watched the tea ceremony thing. I'm like, why am I watching this? I know the tea ceremony, like, by heart. And I'm watching an animated version of the tea ceremony with no context whatsoever. And I thought it was hilarious because I was enjoying every minute of it because Jack did it perfect, obviously. But it was a, it's just like little things like that, like little cultural things that they popped in that always made me actually like the series even more. Um, but yeah, Jack, Jack's hilarious. I think Samurai Jack, and I'm going to use a word that might that might make you feel things, but hear me out. I think Samurai Jack is one of those shows that's actually culturally sensitive to the material that it's working with. And I'm talking about all of it. I'm talking about the Scotsman. I'm talking about literally every like heavy cultural person is heavily deeply in their culture, but they're not like fully caricatures of who they are. I mean, the Scotsman's wife kind of is but at the same time you see that she has like depth and character and they're not like hard stereotypes like all the way um like the scotsman learns to appreciate jack and jack learns to appreciate the scotsman and that's that's the main one i can think of but i think i think that that that's why i liked the show rewatching it and why i was like getting so sucked into it, it was because it was a really interesting to see the way that they were handling not only Jack and the Bushido code and what it means to be a samurai, but literally every culture that they came in contact with. Oh, are you including the gangsters? Because those were spot on stereotypes. They, it, it, they, <laughs> they, were, they were pretty hard stereotypes, but at the same time, I was like, I really like these guys. Like, these guys are really cool. Um, yeah, and- well, that's, what, that's how I felt. Like, I love stereotypes. But I like stereotypes that actually have character. Like when you, um, I, I'm just picking this out of the blue. When you actually originally start with uh, X-Files, I, I'm using this as an example. Uh, Mulder and Scully actually are played. Their original forms are are played. Like how they dress and everything is the complete and utter stereotype of what people think an FBI agent should be. But it's everything that's under that, mm-hmm. you know, her real, her extreme intelligence, his off the wall 
uh, let's go hunt aliens kind of thing actually brings those characters to life. And I think using stereotypes as a baseline, but then making it more interesting, like building a character from it instead of it being so two-dimensional that you you aren't invested. And yeah, Jack did this very well with all the characters they had in there. Yeah, even the Viking, because there's a episode where he goes into the mountain and he fights the Viking. And yeah. the Viking is like, I need to die. I need to die in fight in a in a battle because I need to go to Valhalla, and I want you to do that for me. But Jack is like sitting there, like this is against my code. This is against my thing. But he has to break that down in order to be like, this will help this person. In order, like what I would be doing would actually be more helpful than me trying to stick to my you know really strict ideas and that's like one of the first episodes where jack has to start breaking down his character and who he is and that's really cool like like these that that that's what makes this show really cool like there's two things two things that i always like in any type of show any type of anything is one stereotypes with a twist or stereotypes with depth or completely reversing a stereotype um so yeah like that's why i enjoyed it so much especially with with this rewatch um also aku is like okay there's a couple of things that i i (laughs) i enjoy about aku one being voiced by the original iro two um the fact that he is just super villainous and three that he does the opening i thought that was really interesting like he's the one who says he's he's the one who's like explaining the story in the beginning so whereas in avatar the last airbender it's katara and this this is aku the main bad guy is explaining what jack's goal is and i think that is a weird little twist that they added to it because usually it's like and I'm going to save the world, you know, that kind of thing. But it's, this guy is trying to take me down and he's stupid. And I think <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Well, um, one, of, one of the clips I watched of Aku was, Aku goes to a therapist. <laughs> Did you see this? No, no, but I, it made <laughs> me think of another thing that I want to talk about. But yes, but it sounds really funny. Go ahead and tell me what it is. So Aku was like yelling at some scientists or something. I don't know the context that was happening beforehand. But then he sinks back down underground. Um, and he's like lying on a couch. And he starts and the therapist is there. But it's just another version of Aku with glasses mm-hmm. and, and a notepad. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so tell me what you think about that. And he's like, well, and then he says the samurai and he's like, no, 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 this is a safe space. We don't use that word here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so good, though. That's so good. Anyway, I could get so depressed. He turns into a puddle on the couch. Me. <laughs> and anyway, he eventually has a little bit of a breakthrough. But it was just hilarious that just that little clip alone summed up Aku very well. It was very good. 
Uh, I think my favorite Aku-focused episode was kids. So there's this episode where a bunch of kids are, like, pretending to be Jack now because Jack has gotten enough, like, traction among the regular people that people are like, I want to be Jack and defeat Aku. Aku is stupid now. Um, And Aku keeps seeing this, and so he grabs all of the children that are doing this and, like, has, like, a story time session with them. <laughs> and he keeps telling stories, making trying to make Jack look bad. And then he'll just say something, and then he'll be like, so what do you think? And one of the kids would all the kids would just sit there like silently just like staring at him and then he would be like no i need i need feedback like tell me you know tell me what you think and like one of the kids would like slowly raise their hand and be like well i don't think jack would do that because jack is he's like this and then so he would like tell a completely different story so like um like three bears um goldilocks and the three bears but make jacks look horrible um <laughs> the wolf was red riding hood um uh, make jack look horrible um and just at this point he's just bashing on jack and i never related to anyone so much because these kids are like the age of the kids that i'm teaching right now and i'm like this is how i handle children and this <laughs> is why this is why I get in trouble at work so much. <laughs> Just quit lying. <laughs> quit lying to the children. <laughs> well, it's less about lying and more than just more about just getting frustrated to the point of where you're just yelling and like sounds like everything that comes out of your thing out of your mouth is like nonsense. And uh, it was it was I I was like I relate to this too much. I cannot watch this anymore. <laughs> Well, um, I actually like, uh, let's see, I was watching a clip of the chick, I forget her name, it's like Aki or something, I don't know, I can't remember, Mm -hmm. but she thinks she's Aku's daughter and that Jack's the evil bad guy and does all the evil bad things, Mm -hmm. and there's this point of where uh, she's supposed to be killing Jack, but she turns on Aku which was really cool. And then um and then she's like, "No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to kill Jack." And at that moment, Aku just looks really confused, you know? Mm-hmm. And then Jack Jack goes and picks up his sword, and he's like getting ready to fight. And then uh Aku starts attacking her. And it turns out she has Aku's powers. But it isn't until Jack actually says it, like, a few seconds later, that it actually hits Aku that he might have messed up. And then he just freaks out. It's hilarious. I was just like, oh, that's that's a big twist. I'm sure that was epic while watching the series. So, um, But there was also another funny, and it was a Scotsman later, like when he was in a wheelchair with a broken sword. Do you remember this? I don't remember much now. Oh, okay. I didn't get that far. So the Scotsman is roasting Aku. He's just like yelling at Aku, telling him like all the crap that he's just a piece of crap. And you think you just are sitting there waiting for, you know, Aku to say something, you know, like snarky back or whatever. He just laser beams him (laughs) and turns him to dust. 
And then all the women, all all the uh, Scottish women, you know, with the red hair, like stand up in their red tartan and they're like, no, our leader, you know, our fearless leader and whatever. And, and they're, and it looks like the, everybody's going to start crying and having a, you know, being sad. And all of a sudden, boom, ghost Scotsman appears. <laughs> He's like, cool, it worked. Runes. <laughs> runes. <laughs> Magic runes. It was funny. So, but yeah, and we're like, we're going to make a comeback. I'm going to build another army, even though I'm a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean it the show played really good off of stereotypes but it also played really good off of weird cultural references and all kinds of different things it was like even the futuristic stuff was pretty fun so yeah I don't I don't know it was a, it's it's a definitely a somewhat cerebral show but it's also absolutely hilarious plus the animation the animation was off the charts. One of my favorite animations ever. It's, um, I know for a fact that the show's specifically praised for its animation because of how simplistic it is. Um, because it doesn't over animate, um, cause this isn't an anime. Um, and when you're, when, when I'm like watching those more intense, say, episodes, like the one where he has to fight himself, um, the the anger, the evil part of himself, um, and the way that they like use the animation and the simplicity of it to just enhance every moment. It is it's exactly like it's exactly like using like the same you know shot in an IRL movie or TV show. And using it well in the same way over and over again because, you know, that's that's just what works. And so it was it's really it's really interesting to see that they're able to convey so much detail with so little, you know, without needing, you know, all of the details. Um, well, and dialogue. There is not a lot of dialogue in this show. Yeah, you actually have to pay attention, which is why I had to stop watching it because I was just like, I just want to put on something to like fry my brain for a bit. And I just couldn't put that on because I was like, I actually have to pay attention to this and I want to like clean or cook. So, whoops. <laughs> so, but um, it's a very easy show to just like watch and be like, wow, this is really cool. But if it's you something you want to watch just to like put on in the background, it's not one you can really do that because you're gonna miss literally everything that's happening. Like I think they're at least I think it's like at least thirty to fifty percent of every episode. There's hard. There's nothing. There's no dialogue. Yeah, which there's, is actually refreshing because it's how do you make something interesting without dialogue? Especially for like if you look at it from a children's perspective. That keeps your kid to the screen, dude. That keeps your kid to the screen. Because they're um, like, what's going to happen next? Oh not God. necessarily. Willow used to watch Booba like crazy. And the only thing they ever said was Booba. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there are other shows that do it. But uh, I have to admit, Jack does it better for, like, adults. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a show that I am going to finish. I am going to complete the show after this because I want to. I want to know what happens. And granted, like so far in the second season, there's episodes I don't really feel like they're important to the story or things that are just you know like a passing episode. And not, like, actually forwarding what's actually supposed to be happening. Like, an episode where he learns to literally jump um, 600 feet in the air and he never is able to do it again. Doesn't further the story. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. It's it's interesting and I want to keep watching it. And that's why, you know, it's just fun to watch. Yeah. Despite that, Um, because it's still a cartoon and it's still going to do, you know, like dumb cartoon things. Um, Another thing that I wanted to talk about is the fact that it it just straight up takes um, from every like samurai movie ever. It's just straight all of the shots and scenes and stuff. You can like be like, yeah, that's from. That's from literally every samurai movie ever or, you know, karate movie or stuff like that. Like, it it just steals all of that. And that's yeah. really cool to watch as well. I mean, there's, like, some anime vibes sometimes, but it's not, like, the same. No, because, um, well, obviously, because the a- animation's completely, completely different than your typical anime but I did you watch the opening you did watch the opening with baby Jack right where it goes around to all the different cultures yes that is a beautiful opening that literally I was like sitting there like just baffled the whole time I was like He's in Africa and learning how to ride horses in Africa. And then he's, and then he's, you know, ends up in China and learning from the Mongols, I think. And then I was just like, I'm like, I know half what half of these people are and what culture they are and where they are in like, you know, their lifetimes. And that really actually puts into perspective what, what era of time Jack is actually supposed to be coming from because, you know, you only get to see very little of what his life was like um so that that whole experience actually kind of puts it into perspective my favorite was a straight up robin hood (laughs) just (laughs) um but yeah he and i'm it was just really cool to watch because you're just sitting there like he must know so many languages either that or just know like enough to get by yeah but, I mean, his upbringing, because you get to see what happened. His dad has his mom take him away and put him on a ship, and he never gets to see his parents again, as far as I could tell. I mean, come on. That's hard. But at the same time, he's traveling the world. I think it prepared him for traveling through time. Yeah, because, I, I mean, he has to go through, like, levels of culture shock. And, like, that when he's back in time, like, that he's able to take on that level of culture shock and just be like, okay, this is how things are now. Dogs are talking. Yeah. So, and I think, I think that type of upbringing um, helped him 
actually be able to, even though he was tricked by Aku and everything, it helped him uh, become who he was. And as sad as his his origin story is, he didn't, I mean, Jack's a real hero in the sense that he didn't let it like stop him from living. Like most people, let's face it, their parents die, you're going to be a bubbling mess for like ever. And instead he took on whatever came. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And I'm not talking. I don't know. I can't tell if I'm talking still. Yeah, okay. you're 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 fine. Um, okay. But yeah, and I I think I said African earlier. What I meant was the the Middle Eastern people, and then there's the African Arabian, <laughs> the Arabian horses, and they were yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then he goes to Africa anyway. Um, African tribes people. Um, yeah, his. And that's and that's what made the like the fight himself episode so interesting because he's got he's got a lot of anger and this isn't the first season is he's got a lot of anger built up from the fact of you know the betrayal the everything and he just keeps failing and then Aku is throwing everything which way and who's out towards him and he's got to deal with that and Aku basically gives him free therapy by making him fight himself the anger in himself. And then he has to remember, like, no, I can't have anger. I cannot, I do not have the time for that. I have a mission I need to complete, and this is hindering my mission. And he's just, like, at one point, like, his anger is coming back to hurt him for the millionth time. And he says, and I think he says, it does not matter what you do because you don't exist anymore. You're my anchor, and I have gotten rid of you. And I was just like, dang. Yeah, maybe you should try that. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. I was like, Jesus, Lord. <laughs> Honestly, um, it's a common theme in a lot of the Chinese dramas I've been watching is um, dealing with your heart's demon, whatever that is. Um, sometimes it's being in love with the wrong person, but more often than not, it's also that kind of hatred that builds up, that can build up, build up and hinder you from moving forward. So yeah, Aku actually did him a huge favor in doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I love the logic that Aku used because he was like, well, if nobody's fighting style can beat him, then his fighting style will beat him. <laughs> Like he's he's like the leader of the known universe, and this guy's just dumb. He's he, oh <laughs> come on, give him a break. He's tried a lot of different things, you know. Yeah. No, he's he's great. I love him to death. But yeah, any any other lasting thoughts on Samurai Jack? Hmm, it had good music. It does have good music. Would recommend. But honestly, it would be an interesting um, take, like, if you tried to do, I know I'm going totally off topic, but if you tried to do a and d campaign like this, Dude, it dude, would be... you don't even realize I'm planning my second half of this campaign to literally around the fact that the... <laughs> the no, whatever. I don't want to jump through time. <laughs> but if you did, it it would... It's almost kind of 
I don't know if I'd go steampunk. I, I say it's steampunk with slash cyberpunk mixed in mm-hmm. in an interesting way. So it would be fun to mix and match type of characters that mm-hmm. you could play in a campaign like that. That would be a world like that you could have old school kind of samurai type character mm-hmm. as one character, but then have a full cyborg as another character in a campaign and have it run through time. That would be an interesting world to play a campaign in. Yeah. No, um, I'm... I'm actually going to be basing a campaign, hopefully a short campaign, on this. Because I was just sitting there like, I I need this. I need this in my life. You might need to borrow some of the cyberpunk stuff that's already out there then. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, um, that was the only other thought I had about Samurai Jack. Sorry. No. If it went off topic. That's not off topic. <laughs> D&D's always on topic, mom. Um, Is it? <laughs> um, and the last one that we were going to fully talk about probably is Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. The only one I actually got to watch episodes of. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remembered loving the show growing up and I still love it. But I will let you say your piece on it. Well, um, I love this show uh, mainly because I had an imaginary friend growing up. His name was George. You guys know this because I never really got rid of George. George is a very. But, um, a fairy. You said very. I said fairy. <laughs> I'm just tired. I know. Sorry. <laughs> a long weekend. <laughs> um so, but, um, yeah, so anything about imaginary friends, I always, like, I, I, I get, like, really nostalgic and everything for. But what I actually really like about Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends is how smart it is. Like, the big brother bully, he's a really mean bully. And I like the fact that it isn't an easy fix. He doesn't just suddenly stop being a bully. Mm-hmm. he stays being a bully but I mean he grows as a person over time I would like to think I only got into season 2 sorry didn't get very far but I I see I saw growth in him not much because the guy was kind of an idiot but I thought it was interesting that even that secondary horrible character was interesting yeah um, I mean he spends all of his time being a jerk and he's like, every single time you see him doing something to like ruin Max's life, you see him make the active decision to do that. But the problem is, is he's not able to keep it up, which makes him, you know, a dumbass. Um, well, which is why Blue and literally anybody else in Max's life is able to undermine him, except for the mom. Well, and Mac, Mac. Well, if you think about it. I mean, I, uh, I, this was my theory of how not all imaginary friends, but how quite a few imaginary friends come into being is um, because they're needed in for certain things. And just like what that episode I'm spe- speaking about specifically was the one where um, 
Mac and Blue get the upper hand on the bully. And so he makes an imaginary friend. And he tells it that it needs to beat up Blue. And the only thing that his imaginary friend that he made wants to do is go and pick flowers and look at all the pretty things and play with people. He and but uh, the bad guy I forget the kid's name. Sorry, I just keeps telling him either. Yeah, keeps telling him no, smash, go, you know, go beat up blue, you know, go smash blue, and. At the end, the kid, it isn't even like Blue starts to feel bad because he's beaten up and like torturing this, this imaginary friend. And he realizes that even though the guy keeps coming for him, he doesn't necessarily want to do it. And so Blue starts feeling bad. And I think the kid winds up, you know, I, the imaginary friend turns on him <laughs> mm-hmm. and he winds up going through all the horrible stuff that the other guy, the blue put the other guy through. So, I mean, but he was like in the moment that like he kind of created red, I think is what it was. It was a block of red <laughs> um, was he was being tortured by blue and Mac. And that made me think back to, well, how did blue come into being? Was it because, and blue came into being because he was being tortured by, by the bully and you think well but blue tortures in a different way he makes him feel stupid and useless and everything else and he doesn't stop any of the bullying the kid still is bullying mac he just makes it bearable and i think that's what imaginary friends do for us and that's why i think that this show is so amazing is when you actually get to know their friends and like, yes, they were eventually abandoned and well, not all, but a lot of them were abandoned and stuff. It's because they outgrew their purpose because they, the kids learned how to deal with whatever the person was created for eventually. And since I didn't get to the end, I don't know if Mac ever says I'm done with you blue. Probably not. Cause that would be sad, but still mm-hmm. i think that's a like a really important thing um that imaginary friends are really great creations but they're also they have a purpose and maybe that purpose isn't going to last a lifetime for obviously for some people it did but not for all yeah like foster for example yeah, for her, her imaginary friend's been by her side the whole her whole life, and there's other other characters that you meet, older characters that have their imaginary friends like right beside them. Um, I mean, there's a whole episode about a blind kid seeing eye friend, and that's that's a, that pulls another thing into this show that I really liked is that it first it dealt with topics that are extremely difficult for even our standards as adults to talk about and deal with. And then second, um, a lot of those topics were surrounded by people who in I, I see in life struggle. So like blind people or, um, you know, just in general, like disabled people and stuff like that. It had a really strong 
diverse cast without it being like shoved down your throat and it dealt with it in a way that made you feel like oh i should think about this like for example wilt's character is like absolutely tragic and when you think about like who he was and why he is the way he is and then also like i'm not talking just like physically but also his personality of like i'll do anything you ask me to do um it really does leave a strong impact of like wow there's a lot going on here and same thing with Eduardo or Coco um and even Blue like Blue is a lot more in depth than like you know the dork that he is um and and uh I think most of the cast has that of just like that feeling of like if you if you think about it <laughs> it hurts it really hurts to think about um like who these people cuz you know they're friends in my mind the friends are people um are and i think that was one of the strongest things that i saw in the show rewatching it was i i was like i i didn't i didn't even wasn't even able to put it together like how impactful this show must be for you know just the not only just the generic watcher like me or just literally anybody like the blind kid that might be listening to the show the deaf kid that might be reading the subtitles watching this the kid that's in the wheelchair or anything like that like what are they thinking or you know the hispanic kid that's like i want eduardo to be my you know, imaginary friend, because Eduardo is the best imaginary friend. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what stuck to me uh, watching this, because I, I, I was never the kid that had imaginary friends, which is another thing they also deal with, is because this is a foster home. So what about the kids who can't make imaginary friends? What do they do? get uh i don't know have more tragic lives so they need them oh just kidding <laughs> no but like i mean there were some here's the thing yeah it deals with really deep stuff in a lot of episodes but oh my gosh this show was absolutely hilarious beyond the oh pal. yeah it was for so everyone for everyone like depth show that makes you like think way too much there's an episode that literally feels like you just snorted a thing of cocaine and drank you know, or shot up some caffeine straight into your veins because it, it's it's crazy too. <laughs> like there's some episodes where I was just like, okay, <laughs> I just watched that, whatever that was. What, did you watch the Goo episode? Oh my gosh, Goo is my favorite character. What if it's the unicorn? What if it's the unicorn with this? What if it's the unicorn with that? I loved Goo because I was like, I felt like that would be my mom. If she, no, that would if she, <laughs> she had was, had no boundaries. If she had no boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> um, I loved how cute Goo's growth. What like they did such a good like growth, like arc in one episode of Goo. Um. Like, I love that her parents are like, we we don't want to stop our creativity. I love that. I love that for her. And I love by, that by the end, she is trying to, you know, right her wrongs and move forward in a way and, like, make people 
you realize she realized why she was doing what she was doing and she's trying to write that and make you know other people happy at the same time and i thought that was really cool and like mac and her were genuinely friends by the end of it and i thought that that was like super cute so, also her design was so cute it is the yeah. cutest design i've ever seen in that show but what was the lesson to be learned from that you didn't you don't need to make you know you don't need to keep making you know fake f- fake not necessarily fake but just like shallow friendships in order no. to I, d- I don't know exactly what you were thinking but what i got i got out of it was that she was making shallow lives and shallow friendships you know with all her things and that she was unable to you know get that deep connection that she actually wanted because she was too lonely kids need boundaries that too kids need boundaries was the main thing once she started realizing where the boundaries were that mac told her where the boundaries were he started to like her and he didn't want and he felt bad when he hurt her but she was also not stopping. Yeah. And she wasn't that she wasn't listening. And that, she wasn't that, paying attention yeah. attention to the boundaries that people were trying to put in front of her. That is that is like the one of the smartest ways to teach kids boundaries. Like kids need to understand that everybody has boundaries, whether that is physical touch. Like like sure. Aunt Jessica might want to give you a kiss on the forehead, but does the kid really want that? Or does, you know, you know, maybe the kid is like, one kid is like, I really want to play with you right now. But the other kid's like, I'm really tired and I don't want to do that. Or I don't want to play that. Can we play this instead? Like, that's really genuinely smart. Um, I didn't pick up on that. I I was just like sitting there being like, hey, it's cute. <laughs> yeah, it is cute. And she was adorable. And yes, I would like to make uh like a ton of different imaginary friends and yes i probably would have had i been goo um but yeah i i think it was a hilarious and fun episode with a little bit of you know oh my gosh mac was really mean (laughs) but she kind of needed that and mac needed to figure out how to tell her I mean, it, it was two kids figuring out uh, a different way to be with each other and and keep a friendship. And that is awesome. That's an awesome lesson to learn. Like, hey, why don't people like me? Why don't I have any friends? Because Goo didn't have any friends. She had a billion imaginary friends, but she wasn't really getting to know any of them. No. And you did pick up on that. There were actually multiple themes in this. I mean, you did pick up on the fact that her friendships were quite shallow. But if somebody was interacting with her in a meaningful way like Mac was, she started making less. (laughs) Or was trying to. It was Blue that was like egging her on. That was hilarious. Yeah, because Blue was like, I'm loving this energy. I want to keep it going. I'm so blue. <laughs> chaos demon. Another chaos demon. Sorry. I honestly, I felt like wa- rewatching this. I was like, I relate to Coco. Yes, but that's because Coco's in the background um, plotting. 
<laughs> well, she's like, there's like an episode where Blue says something really mean to Coco, and Coco is just like, I'm just not going to be nice to you. I'm not going to do anything that you want until you apologize. And she explains to him multiple times, like, I'm not going to give you, like, my special cards because I made my own card game until, you know, you apologize and you realize that what you did was wrong. And Blue just obviously doesn't because why would he ever apologize for, you you know, he's never done anything wrong. Exactly. Um, And it takes the whole episode, but it takes Coco, like, fully going off on him to be like, He's like, oh, if I'm going to lose you as a friend, I don't want to keep acting like this. And I was just like, huh. Huh. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes, sometimes kids don't catch on to the fact they're being complete jerks. Yeah, they really don't. Because Blue, I think, is like the epitome of the like hyperactive like jerk kid that would get over in over his head. And be like, you know, I want what I want, do what I want. Or, you know, or you get screwed. And Blue's entire, like, mini character arc, of course, he never fully learns it. Um, because otherwise the show would be too boring and would move on too fast. Um, is learning that, you know, in order to keep friends, in order to be a good person, that you don't use people and abuse them until they, you know, eventually leave. Like, the whole episode with Wilt being like, I want to watch the basketball game. And it all starts with him being like, I can't assert my boundaries. I can't assert that I, you know, I just want to watch this. It starts with Blue being like, hey, can you go get me chips? And then it's people, you know, asking him to do things and he just can't say no. And by the time he learns how to say no, Blue's like, Blue like asks him to do something. And then he's like learned how to say no. And he just says yes instinctively. And he's like, no, wait, no. <laughs> and then he gets the sh- door shut on him. That's like good comedy and dealing with like the boundary conversation again. And how to say no to people when you don't want to do things. You shouldn't have to like self- be self-sacrificial to, you know, a fault. No, um, like honestly, one of the best Wilt episodes, which isn't a Wilt episode. Um, but Wilt in the background is so hilarious is the one where um what uh the bunny uh harriman yeah harriman uh goes back on carrots that one yeah (laughs) that that one was very good Uh, and he's like oh i can't stand on rugs or this yeah he finally puts himself in jail (laughs) yeah because he's like i feel like wilt and i forgot to say this for samurai jack as well like samurai jack is like the epitome of like you know the lawful good character but wilt is also that like lawful good um so like he's just like sitting there like i can't stand on the rug i can't stand near a lamp i can't touch anything (laughs) yes but he's like he's like i've done so much bad so many bad things today i just need to go to jail (laughs) and i'm like oh my gosh i'm i'm feeling for wilt but at the same time it's just hilarious but coco's character in the background when coco gets blamed for everything (laughs) because harriman sets her up and she's just like Oh my gosh! There she is plotting again. <laughs> steals, <laughs> it was so funny. Steals everything and just like. But it is the one day Blue got away with everything. <laughs> yeah. 
Ruined the entire house. Um, Harriman <laughs> episodes are really good, though. Like, genuinely, I love Harriman. Did you like his hip, hip, hippie to the hip? Did you see that one? I don't think I saw that one, no. Oh, it's one where Mac gets a video of him um, with uh, Foster. Mm-hmm. And he's he's like when she was a little girl, she says, do it just like when I was a little girl. And he's doing the hippity hoppity, hippity hoppity, floppity thing. <laughs> it's so cute. But then they put it on the interwebs because Blue can't let it go. Of course. And he becomes viral and has a nervous breakdown. But at the end of it, he makes a, he makes a new video. And he, he's like, I hear the, the kids out there like the hip hop. And so he does a hippity hoppity video. <laughs> Rap. It's hilarious. That's, that is the, like, I know he's a bunny, but it's like, it's like the, the um, science teacher, the white science teacher in college. Mm-hmm. pulling up you know rap videos trying to explain science or like making his own raps about science it just like <laughs> yep it was so that cringy. bad it's so cringy oh yeah especially when he tells everybody how cool it was yeah uh-huh mm-hmm. yeah so no i love harriman he's he's great um but i'm like trying to think of any of uh, the weird um Baby thoughts, the squiggles. The I loved them. Scribbles, scribbles, scribbles. Yeah, the scribbles. Why they were, and you know, they were all locked up. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, that that episode though, that was so me. Blue in that episode. Oh, Dora, like, I can't open. With yeah, secrets. Dora. I, I don't like that. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go open it. When nobody's around, I'm gonna, I'm not, it's, it's never gonna stop. You told me to not do something. And yeah, now I really want to do it. <laughs> I'm the same way. So I related. <laughs> yeah. That was but, a weird episode. Yeah. But I mean, this show, I, it's funny. I mean, it is so witty. And the puns. Oh, my gosh. The puns. Yeah. So, no. I just, I really like, I really like it. It's it's a smart, funny show. And for some reason, it even gets deep and meaningful. But it you get to enjoy it, too, and laugh. So, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. It's one of those shows that I can definitely, like, put it on in the background and while I'm doing other things. But, like, also just sit down and enjoy. Um because it's like it's just easy to be around um so yeah that's that was like my experience rewatching it it was just i'm i've been just putting it on in the background when i'm doing other things because i i'm like i i'd I'd rather watch this over than a youtube video right now um just putting that on in the background yeah and not a lot of of shows will do that for me it's like the perfect show for that yeah yeah um, which is weird because, you know, it was like, there aren't a lot of cartoons I would actually sit and watch with you and your sister, mainly because, you know, most of the stuff you wanted to watch was crap. So no offense, but it really was. 
But this was one of the few I would. I mean, this and Samurai Jack and Billy and Mandy and stuff. So, but as you guys got older and the cartoons got like lamer, I quit watching altogether. So with you, which is weird because I really like cartoons and stuff, but I switched more over to anime um, as you guys got older. No, because I and mom didn't... and mom says this because she can't appreciate things like Adventure Time or She-Ra or uh, they're not very good. They are good. You just can't appreciate them or Avatar: The Last Airbender or you know any of the good cartoons. Adventure I, Time. I, Adventure I've watched Adventure the Time. first season of Avatar: Airbender three times. I've just never watched further. You, you should like how come you haven't gotten to Toph? Toph is your favorite character, and you just haven't gotten to Toph. Toph is not my favorite character. That's your favorite character. No, like every single time Toph's on screen, you're laughing. Besides, like you know, I figured it was like Iroh and Toph. I like the dorky brother drinking cactus juice. And Sokka, apparently. <laughs> Sokka's, Sokka's adorable. And and that episode is in book two. The cactus is juice it? episode is in book two. Well, I saw that when you were watching it. <laughs> I don't know if I actually watched the whole thing. I just thought the cactus juice was hilarious. <laughs> Gosh. Gorsh. Gorsh. You don't even no. get to book fire and appreciate the Zuko. The Zuko. Yeah. Okay, in my defense, um, and I know you love Zuko and you love the voice actor for Zuko, but I don't. <laughs> what do you have against Dante Bosco? He was in Hook. I know, and I hated his character in Hook so much that it kind of bled over into real life. <laughs> no, that's so mean. We've met him. I know, and I was nice and polite. Oh. I really was. <laughs> okay, I think that's gonna call it for this. Like, I don't, th- I don't think I have the emotional capacity to do anything anymore, and I'm hungry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I don't out. hate I don't hate Dante Bosco. He is a fine actor. I just did not like his character in Hook at all. I'm sorry. It's okay. Anyway, <laughs> if you guys have any other cartoons that you would like us to go more in depth in, let us know. Cartoons are hard to get nowadays, so uh, probably not. Um, may- if you make me force uh, Mom to watch Adventure Time, that would be funny. Um, anyway... And if you guys have anything to say to us, it's at Ego Eclectic for social medias, uh, the Eclectic Ego Podcast at gmail.com for an email. Um, anything else, Mom? Don't be mean and make me watch Adventure Time. Adventure Time! I, I tried watching an episode once and it drove me insane. Ugh, everybody's so annoying. You're the annoying one. Okay. Love you. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye.